Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off-season, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside. Kind of a misty day in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, I'm back up in the Silicon Valley for a couple of days. I used to record most of my podcasts from up here. Now I'm down in Pasadena most of the days, but I'm back up in Palo Alto for family reasons, and and they're all happy. It's all good things that are happening right now. Um, I got to talk about some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, my, well, I, I don't want, people have asked me via email and via the Twitterverse and Facebook regarding me not following the Red Sox with the Stephen Wright being on the roster. Um, I, I, I would have to clarify something. I'm not rooting against the Red Sox. I still want them to win. I'm just not going to invest my emotion in the team. And I haven't watched an inning of the Red Sox since then. I've watched a lot of baseball, but I haven't watched an inning of the Red Sox since then. And it's amazing how much time it's freed up. When you, when you block off three hours of your day, and you're not, I'm not sitting down and watching every inning of every Red Sox game, but it's on my phone. The ticker is there. The game day is there. I'll check in on the radio feed. I'll put on the, the MLB.com app and watch an inning or have it on the background or just be like, what, did he, did he get hit? Did he get a hit? And I realize that's freed up emotion in my day to focus on other things like finding better employment and everything. Maybe I should be watching the Red Sox. But, you know, as minute Stephen Wright goes, I'm back to doing that, back to following it pitch by pitch. Now, I saw yesterday, so I want to clarify that. It's not like I'm rooting for the Yankees. There's also part of me is also resigned to the fact that I I do believe the Houston Astros are going to win the pennant again. I just think, I I know technically the Red Sox have the best, uh, have the most wins in baseball right now. Uh, that's, that's uh, That's not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of fact. And in fact, let me let me hit my app right now as I'm recording this. Uh, right now, the Red Sox uh, are 35 and 16. That's a 686 winning percentage. Um, they're a game ahead of the Yankees, uh, but actually behind the Yankees in the loss column. And they have one more win than the Astros. No part of me looks at this Astros team and thinks someone's going to beat them four out of seven times in a best-of-seven series. The only hope is to beat them three out of five times in the division series, like what happened to Cleveland last year. Uh, and that being said, I mean, they're just, they're just so good right now, and they have room to improve. Obviously, we all saw what happened yesterday. Hanley Ramirez was designated for assignment. He is not on the Red Sox roster, and they have to uh, either trade him or release him, and he's probably because of his contract. I don't, you know, unless the Red Sox pick up another bad contract in return, it becomes one of those, you know, swapping, swapping broken players deal, uh, which I don't know if they're going to do or not. You know, if it's going to be like the the Mets traded Matt Harvey for Devin Mazzarocco, those are two players who 
neither team could use, and, and it was kind of a swap of broken players, which, you know, may work out. But what probably is going to happen is no one's going to touch his contract. He's going to be... Uh, He's gonna. He's probably gonna go as a free agent, or the Red Sox will have to work out a deal and basically pay his entire contract and trade him to a team in exchange for basically nothing. Uh, this was a move because someone had to go, and they clearly preferred to have Nunez and his ability to play, physically play. Whether or not you think he plays it well, physically play second base, shortstop, or third base. Uh, instead of Hanley Ramirez, who is paid to be a slugger. His job is not to play defense. His job is to mash the ball. And every once in a while, he did. But, you know, if you like batting average, his batting average was 254. If you like on base, his on base was 313. You like slugging, his slugging was 395. None of the, you like home runs, he has six. None of his numbers that he put up were particularly great. And he was masked by the fact that Mookie Betts is having an MVP caliber season. J.D. Martinez is having a JD, uh, have an MVP caliber season, easy for you to say. And that Hanley could slump, Hanley could go on spurts of power, and those spurts of power looked better when it was sandwiched between Betts and J.D. Martinez. But the Red Sox probably looked up and said, if we're going to have a first baseman, we might as well have uh, Moreland, who is hitting better and is a better fielder than Hanley Ramirez. And if we're going to have another bat, you know, if we're going to have to bench someone, it'd rather be Nunez who could fill in all over the place than Ramirez. It's a strange animal, but they're like, well, look it. And, and it kind of comes down to that it was between, I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm not in the Red Sox front office. I'm not even watching the games day to day. But it probably was between Jackie Bradley Jr., who can't hit a barn door with an oar right now, but is excellent defensively, and Hanley Ramirez, who is a liability defensively and isn't that great with the bat right now. And by doing it now, they do it before his option kicks in for next year. It is a cold-hearted decision that the Red Sox made. But this is the sort of cold-hearted decision that has made the Red Sox successful recently because they're not emotional. They said, do you know what? We don't want to deal with this contract next year because he's just going to get older. His bat speed is just going to get slower. And so he is going to be probably dumped off to someplace. Now, I brought up Houston because I wonder if Houston would be an interesting landing spot for him because they haven't been getting much production from their DH or their first base position for a big chunk of this year. And Hanley Ramirez could be the proverbial change of scenery, wanting to prove everyone wrong type of player playing in a bandbox with no pressure on him in Houston, surrounded by... Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa and all those you know great hitters who will give him protection as he drives in the George Springers of the world, and all of a sudden he winds up having a spectacular second half. You know, or he'll wind up going to the Mets because that's where all broken down players wind up going to at one point or another. It would not surprise me if he goes to the Astros, and it would not surprise me if he actually has a couple of spurts and becomes a valuable player for them. But something kind of occurred to me regarding this whole Hanley Ramirez thing. And it ties 
two elements of it tie directly to what happened this last year in the free agent market. That the there were a lot of players who couldn't find a home, even some players who had productive seasons, even players who have had wonderful careers. And we saw, you know, Jose Bautista couldn't find a job, and now you know, he's been kicked around, he's been picked up in minor league deals, but, you know, he hasn't been able to sign for a long-term deal. People like Matt Holliday never found a job. Mike Moustakas uh, had to, you know, sign for a one-year deal that would have been less than taking the qualifying offer. And people are saying, oh, is it collusion? Is it this or that? And I think Han- what's happened with Hanley Ramirez has shown three elements why the free agent market unfolded the way it did. And I don't think any of it has to do with collusion. First of all, remember Hanley, when Henry Ramirez came to the Red Sox, he, he signed after the 2014 season. Now, I can't stand here outside Palo Alto and pretend to criticize that deal because I was for it. I liked it. Now, I certainly criticized the deal that took place the next day, which was the signing of Pablo Sandoval, which I knew was going to be a disaster from the minute they did it. And it was. It was an absolute cataclysmic catastrophe. And that same offseason, they brought in for big money Cuban star Rusny Castillo, who they were hoping would be uh, in the next Ioannis Cespedes or Yasiel Puig. And those were all moves made by Ben Charrington who was the Red Sox general manager when they won the World Series in 2013. Now, think about this for a second. He delivered, as a general manager, partly because of some of the moves that he made bringing in short-term solutions like Johnny Gomes and Mike Napoli and Shane Victorino and Koji Uehara, these players who contributed big time to a Red Sox World Series title. In 2013, it's now five years later, and he's been gone for a couple of years. That world championship bought him a year and a half. The goodwill of winning a title, something that Red Sox fans at one point thought was unattainable by the gods. He delivered one as a GM, and two seasons later, he's collecting unemployment. There is no long-term job security, especially when you F up. And he made three Mongo signings there, and they all turned out to be, I'm not going to call Hanley Ramirez a full-on flop, because he had spurts of production, but he was not the player that they paid for. They could have got that production for a lot less money. And Sandoval was a disaster. And Rusny Castillo was not a major leaguer. And he's still stuck in Pawtucket. And so if you're a general manager and you misfire a free agent signing, it doesn't matter if you've even won a championship. You could be gone. So if you're a GM, you're probably a little trigger shy to say, hmm, I think we're going to sign this player to a big honking contract. Well, guess what? If it blows up in your face, you're out of a job. So, yeah, you're going to be a lot more cautious. It doesn't have to do with we're going to, we're going to cut down the, the, the costs. You know, we're going to 
collude. It's, I, this may be dumb for my job. Now, the other thing is the fact that you see, you're seeing more and more pitchers who are chucking it up there, 96, 97, 100 miles an hour. There's, that used to be a rarity. That used to be like seeing, do you want, it used to be like a Star Wars film. Star Wars films used to be really rare and a big deal when they happened. It would be, it was a, an event when it happened. Now it's, you know, we're going to have our second one in just a matter of months. They're rather commonplace now. And a guy chucking it up there in the high 90s used to be, oh my God, I can't wait to see it. But now it's like, yeah, every team's got a couple of them. They're coming out of the bullpen. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing so many relievers being used. If, if, hey, if you have the choice of a starter who's starting to wear down, especially after going through the order twice, or bringing in a guy who can chuck it up 97 miles an hour, which one are you going to use? You've never seen more people throwing the ball this fast. And what's the worst thing you could put up? At, if you're a manager, what's the worst kind of hitter that you can put up at the plate with a guy throwing it nearly 100 miles an hour is a guy whose bat speed is slowing down. And what types of players have their bat speed slow down are players who get older. That's one of the first things that goes. Your bat speed slows down. And if your bat speed's slowing down and the pitches are getting fast, then guess what? You're not going to be someone you want to sign to a long-term deal or even a short-term deal. Now, there is the adage, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You can try someone out as a flyer. But, you know, if you're, you're an agent, you want to have your player signed to a four- or five-year deal and cash in. Especially if they've put up big-time numbers. But if you're a general manager, you're saying, well, geez, if they're getting older and the pitches are getting faster and their bat's going to get slower... I could get fired. Even, you know, even if I've delivered a championship. And if you've not delivered a championship, forget it. What job security do you have? None. That's the answer. If you're wondering what the answer is, the answer is none. So you have general managers who know their, who've seen that their job can be on the line and you have a product that says, this is not a smart product to sign. And there's the other thing. If you have more and more pitchers on your team, like you're seeing more and more teams carrying, it used to be they carry 10, maybe 11 pitchers, sometimes as few as nine. But if your pitchers, your starting pitchers, are only going to go five, six innings, and my thoughts on that are a totally different podcast. But this is the reality of the way things are. You're seeing more and more teams carry 12, 13 pitchers on their staff. They just are. And if you carry 12, 13 pitchers on your staff, guess what you don't have more of? You have more pitchers, but you, what you don't have more of are roster spots. You still only have 25 roster spots. Now, you could have one spot in the, you know, you could have five starting pitchers and you can kind of 
rotate out ones, you know, send one to the minor leagues and keep bringing people. But eventually players run out of options. You can't do that in perpetuity. So think about this for a second. You have 25 players on your roster. Boom. You have nine starters if you're an American League team, eight starters if you're a National League team. And you, you have no choice there. No matter how you shift or move your players around, you still have to have a third baseman, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman, a catcher, three outfielders, and a pitcher. And the American League, you have a DH. You have to have them. You can't say today we're not carrying a second baseman. That's not allowed. So you have your nine starters. Let's say you carry 13 pitchers. That's 22 spots. In the National League, okay, it's 21 spots. That leaves, and you have to have a backup catcher. Catcher can't catch 162 games, and you have to have one ready to go in case there's an injury. So, boom, that really leaves two or three roster spots for a bench. And what that means is it is the demise of a certain kind of player. You know, a Harold Baines couldn't survive in today's game. A guy who was exclusively a designated hitter. But there were other types of players who couldn't survive. I was, I was flipping through some old baseball cards in my home, and I stumbled across players like you know, Pat Tabler, you know, Lee Mazzilli, players whose job it would be to be, at least when they were on playoff teams and World Series teams, to come off the bench and be a hitter. We need it. We need someone to just come off the bench. They don't really play. Their job is just a mash. You know, Matt Stairs when he was with the Phillies was one of those players. They don't really have a position. Yeah, they don't even bother carrying a glove. Their job is to come off the bench and deliver a big hit. Well, you can't have a roster spot for that guy now. You really can't. Or oh, that is a luxury. That's like saying, oh, man, I'm behind in my house payments. I'm drowning in debt. But I bought a Maserati. You, there's not, that's not a good use of your resources. And so you will see why would they value Nunez over Ramirez. Because Nunez can fill in. And, and you can make statistical arguments that Nunez is not very good at any of those positions, but he can physically play them. Hanley Ramirez can barely play first. He was, he was brought up as a shortstop. He can't play the infield anymore. There were pipe dreams of him. Maybe he can play third base. No, he can't play third base. They tried him in the outfield. It was a disaster. He made people long for the defense of Manny Ramirez in left field. So the commodity of being a player like Hanley Ramirez, whose job it is, is to mash the ball and hit. If he's not mashing the ball, like at, an, at a tremendous rate, I mean, if he was putting up the numbers that, say, J.D. Martinez is putting up, who is not exactly a defensive whiz at any position, but he's hitting the ball so well that it justifies his spot on the roster. That's the level that you have to be. You have to be the level that Ortiz was at the end of his career. But that brings up the PED situation. 
If you know you're testing for PEDs and you still can get caught, hello, Wellington Castillo. Hello, Robinson Cano. If that's the case, you that is one of the biggest reasons to use PEDs is to say, man, I'm getting older. My bat speed's slowing down. I need to give it a boost. You know, I can still see the ball. I still have high-end eye coordination, but my bat is slowing down. I need to pick it up again. And teams say, well, players are getting older. Pitchers are getting faster. Roster space is a lot more valuable. It's more valuable to be the, a Ben Zobrist who can play the infield or the outfield. You know, you're starting to, you know, you players, you know, you see players were moving all over the diamond on the Dodgers last year. That becomes a, a, a valuable commodity to say you can play the infield, you can play the outfield, you can play all the infield positions. And if you're older, your bat speed's slowing down, you can't play a bunch of positions, and they're testing for PEDs, and you're, you've already celebrated your 30th birthday, guess what? You'd be stupid as a general manager, to risk your job. A job that not even a World Series title 24 months earlier could save. Wait a minute, we won. We're still selling the Boston Strong t-shirts. Bye-bye. You made bad signings. Get out. This is why, and, and if Hanley Ramirez costs virtually nothing, so it's going to cost us nothing, then you will see teams like the Astros, like the Mets, like the Twins take a flyer on them. But not Arizona. As I said, a team that desperately needs a bat, desperately needs a spark, because he can't play anywhere. They have a first baseman, so therefore there's no place to hide him. So if you are a slugger and you celebrate your 30th birthday, I, my, my advice is to take the qualifying offer if they, take, if they give it to you. It's not collusion. It's the reality of what baseball has evolved into. You know, there used to be players like, you know, Rob Deere. <laughs> These players would bounce around. Steve Bye-Bye Balboni, I think I mentioned. You know, these guys who could just, who bounce from team to team because they needed that big mash to get that one guy off the bench. But that's no longer a commodity. That's no longer necessary. And when you also keep in mind the fact that players have learned how to do the sort of launch angles with their bat and the pitchers are providing the power with 100-mile-an-hour pitches, you're starting to see other players hit 20-some-odd home runs. So the need to have the big masher off the bench or at the DH spot is not as critical. So it's funny that the designating for assignment of Hanley Ramirez has acted as kind of a microcosm of what happened in the free agent market. A guy who did get paid. Henry Ramirez is paid. If he handles his money right, his grandchildren are taken care of. But it's also a cautionary tale. Teams will look at those three signings that Ben Charrington made. Sandoval, coming off of a World Series title where he hit the snot out of the ball, but he was 
he never put up great regular season numbers, or he put up a couple of good seasons, but he was never the superstar that someone just familiar with him through the World Series would think he was. He had two wonderful postseasons that gave him the aura of being a great player. Hanley Ramirez, big power hit, big power hitter, could come in, oh man, hit it off the wall, hit it over the fence at Fenway Park and all this. And Ruzny Castillo, mysterious Cuban, could turn into Yasiel Puig or could turn into Ruzny Castillo. And the Red Sox are paying for all of them. They're paying for Sandoval to be a giant. They're going to pay for Hanley Ramirez to be wherever he winds up. They're paying for Ruzny Castillo to be in Pawtucket. So they didn't save any money. The only thing they saved was paying Ben Charrington. Think about your position as a GM. Should I sign this veteran hitter to uh, a two-year, even a two-year deal? Well, is his bat speed slowing down? Can he play multiple positions? Are they testing for PEDs? And will it affect my job? <laughs> if the answer is negative at all, like, yeah, he's over 30. No, he can't play multiple positions. Uh, yes, we're testing for PEDs. Yes, it could cost me my job. I pass. Pass. That's why it happened. Now, you know, you can talk about collective bargaining agreements and this and that and the other thing. And the thing that I think will happen if you are an agent and you've seen a lot of players sign with their team long term and the team buying up the prime of some of their players and with varying results, but the likes of Joe Maurer, the likes of Joey Votto, the likes of Clayton Kershaw, the likes of Mike Trout, the likes of Steven Strasburg. These are all players who signed big honking long-term deals with their teams so that they bought out their prime. I predict over the next few years that that shit is going to be done. You're going to see agents go, nope, we're not taking that. We're going to take our players out to free agency because they have no value in their 30s and they have value in their 20s. And you're going to see that big time this offseason with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, two players are having MVP caliber seasons who are going out there in their mid-20s and they're going to get paid. They're going to pay big time because they have value. Harper can play the outfield. He only can play the outfield, but he hits well enough to justify that. Manny Machado hits as well to justify anything, and he can play shortstop or third. They have value. And so you're going to see more players in their 20s go off to free agency. So Hanley gave us some good memories. Great walk-off home run against the Yankees. A couple of big hits here or there. But off he goes to somewhere else. And if the Red Sox, you know, hopefully the Red Sox can put together a deal where they get something and they can throw Stephen Wright in the trade with him so I can go back to watching him every day. It's interesting, but it's a microcosm. Take a step back and some things make more sense with a little bit of distance and saying, oh man, it is all connected. It does make sense. So, with that thought, go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. On a beautiful, little windy day here in Palo Alto, pondering the future of free agency 
and general manager job security. This has been Sully Baseball for the 26th day of May, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.